Hello, you're listening to Cracked on FBI Radio. That's right, it's cracked, it's not crocked, it's not crap, hopefully it's not scrapped. It's not dapped, it's not crack cocaine, it's just called Cracked. Cracked is a podcast here on 94.5 that cracks open the creative process. I'm Al, I'm a curator, a musician, and I flunked out of psychology at Macquarie Uni a really long time ago. I'm Luke, I'm an engineer, and I've got a full degree, believe it or not. Um, I'm a big fan of mangroves, and we're here to overanalyze and maybe find a little bit of meaning along the way. We may be underqualified in some areas, but we're here on a mission to crack open the ideas that tie together music across genres and styles, between different tastes and techniques, and the odd joke to crack each other up. Today's theme that we're exploring is music as a form of self-soothing. Now, what that means is quite loose. We've got a lot of different ways that we're going to approach it. Al, do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah, it's interesting because last episode was on rap voices, which felt very prescriptive. And everybody has an idea of what a rap voice entails. But self-soothing is very psychological. But it also has this um, element of kind of behavioral um, training when you think of self-soothing and some of the topics that we're going to hit through the music that we'll listen to is the creative process itself as self-soothing for artists and musicians um, going into a flow state as self-soothing now that could be um, the exercise of playing music or literally doing some exercise whilst listening to music uh, lyrical themes as emotional excavation a purging and exploration Uh, Self-soothing is a form of therapy. We hear a lot of therapy-inspired music or therapy-themed music these days. Um, Ambient music and loops, escapism of self-soothing, a way of entering a state of emotional and physical suspension. I've done both many times. Music as a form of safety or consistency. And lastly and most Warm-heartedly, music to provide belonging, just like FBI. (laughs) (laughs) FBI provides me with so much belonging. I feel really safe and happy here. But first, we're going to start with an artist or artists, it's a little bit unclear, where they feel a little bit dejected. We're starting with the producer called Vegan, who is based out of LA. And they released an interesting album under the name Headache this year. The album is called The Head Hurts, But The Heart Knows The Truth. And that's a bit of a teaser of how emotional and very, very emo (laughs) this project is. It's beautiful music. It's filled with lots of breaks, lots of samples, very soft synths. If you're a fan of artists like Fortet or Brian Eno, uh, this one's definitely for you. But the interesting thing with uh, this album by Vegan, most of his music is instrumental. But this has lyrics written by a fellow called Francis Hornsby Clark. Whether that's a real person or not, I don't know. Can't find anything on that. Are they doing the delivery as well? It sounds like it because the person sounds British. Yes, they sound And nobody sounds more British than a middle-aged white man. Yeah. It it reminded... When I listened to the album, it reminded me of... um, You ever watched Peep Show? No. Okay. I'm old, remember. I think it's pretty old. I think it's like from like the mid-2000s. It's English as well. I am English. I am old. I should watch it. It's really good. Fantastic internal monologue kind of stuff. But this, of course, a little bit less satirical. Well, it it's unclear because it 
it sounds so dour and gray yeah and the inner monologue is hopeful in some segments i don't want to ruin the song but there's a little bit of hope there but it's pretty dejected but it's delivered in such a calm inner monologue manner yeah that sometimes if you just go into your thoughts whilst listening to music yeah that is a form of self-soothing and it sounds like he is letting the music take over him and is let us just letting his thoughts run wild yeah so we're gonna give this track a play it's called that thing with the rabbit off the album the head hurts but the heart knows the truth by headache you're listening to cracked make some noise right now for the voices in your head that just there uh i played a nice little track for you a favorite of mine it was hotel in minsk from yonatan lindua 96 which is a pseudonym is that the word i'm looking for um another name that an artist goes under of young lean himself believe it or not yonatan lindua is his actual name that's like lindua it's, ah. it's a pretty hard kind of like name for a rapper yeah. right it's great yeah and we're talking about music as a form of self-soothing. I chose that song because it explores a very strong sense of catharsis, I'd say. Um, Young Lean, of course, if you aren't aware, has experienced immense amounts of trauma in his artistic creative life. Trauma warning. Yeah, yeah yes, intense trauma. What do trauma. they call it? Trigger warning. Tri- trigger warning. Trigger trauma. Trigger warning, subject, content I'm warning. so old. <laughs> We talk about trauma and sad bits in this little part here. But effectively, uh, Young Lean had surged to the top or the heights of their early career, blowing up off the internet and becoming a product of the internet age. I don't know if you're well aware of it, Al. What's the internet? <laughs> um, it's like, you know, message boards that you put like posters like selling couch. It's like that. Oh, yeah, message for it's like Messenger, yeah. MSN Messenger. Yeah, yeah, exactly like MSN. Sweet. <laughs> but Young Lean, unfortunately, uh, had quite a tumultuous experience with drugs, coming to a psychotic break on his tour at the age of about 18 or 19. Um, and during this process, he was rushed to hospital. And whilst in hospital, he had a little bit of a dialogue with his manager requesting some demos that he wanted to hear whilst he was during whilst during his stay and unfortunately on the drive over his manager got into a car accident and passed away oh my goodness yeah preceding that um he went into a psychiatric ward for three months wherein he was not informed about it at all and that song there was a little bit of a embodiment of it his experiences just kind of put into pen and paper and you can hear a lot of song a lot of it in his songs it's really impacted him throughout and you can see a definite strong turning point in his music after that of course he he is still true to his kind of like colors of that over eccentric little bit sad boy it's 
now it's just genuine sadness. It used to be that kind of, I'm sad, I'm broken. Ooh. Now it's like, I am actually going through it. Mm. Um, so and, the creative process for him, yeah, making this song and making this music was the way he was able to soothe himself to get through. It was an output of his experience. It was basically putting it into, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say physicalizing it, mm. but uh, manifesting it into something. And it, it, it kind of remained true. I mean, it is a little bit cliched, like taking a ball of whatever you're feeling that is negative and doing a physical outpouring of some kind. Yeah. But and that, if music helps with that. Is, it, is that cliche? I think it is. Or is uh, that just I think it's a very, I got a feeling it's a very masculine trope. Yeah. Because yeah. I get paid out for talking about <laughs> the therapeutic portal that I go into running on a treadmill, <laughs> listening to Tool. Yeah, but that's like a healthy output of emotion, surely. It is, but it can be a bit of a crutch. Yeah. yeah. It's also very cliche. Like my favorite book is like, um, Mirakami's <laughs> memoir, like what I think about when I think about running, like it's, I'm, I am such a joke of a millennial. Wow, even as like a non-millennial, you'd be like male manipulator times like a thousand. Well, let's play another song, <laughs> uh, and let's get out of this dour angle of self-soothing on cracked. So another perspective on this is music that is consistent or an element of safety in music as a listener, but also for the artist. And an example that I'm going to use is somebody that a lot of people haven't heard of, but he's incredibly influential. Uh, His name is Vinnie Riley, but he's better known under the name The Derudy Column which he is the only sole member of. Uh, the Derudy Column were the f- one of the first bands signed to Factory Records, which is a famous post-punk label. Don't know what any of this is. Every episode, <laughs> we bring it back to post-punk and how Luke knows nothing about the genre, and we want one day address this, <laughs> one song at a time. But Derudy Column's music, perhaps he's the most famous uh, influence he's had is on the guitarist John Frusciante from the Chili Peppers, but that does not explain the extent of the music. Derudy Column music is very melancholic. It's very beautiful. Uh, Vinnie Riley's best known as a guitarist, and he just has this like slippery, uh, silvery guitar style that has carried over, I think, upwards of 25 albums, but he recontextualizes songs and motifs across almost all the albums. So it is almost like going through a dreamlike state listening to the music. And the song that we're going to play is called Anthony, named after Tony Wilson, in tribute to the founder of Factory Records, who um, saved Vinny's life on many occasions. And fittingly, the album is called Sex and Death, oh. which really summarizes life, our relationship, <laughs> life, the things that we talk about on Cracked. So this is Anthony by The Duty Column.
you're back here on Cracked, lovingly brought to you by the wonderful FBI Radio 94.5 on your digital radio stuff and on their website, fbiradio.com. And here we've been discussing music as a form of self-soothing. And the track I just played for you was from Malibu. It's called So Far Out of Love. Malibu is a French producer of ambient music. And they've been around for quite some time. And they've done a lot of really fun production stuff with a lot of artists that I really love. Um, and they they do have their own little radio stuff going on on a certain radio station that I'll unname. I won't name. It rhymes with Schmen Teen Schmess. Spicy. Yeah. Um, it's really good, but go listen to it on SoundCloud because you don't need to support another radio station. That's not this one. Um, but the reason why I played that track was to hit on the little sub-theme of using ambient music as practical kind of subliminal self-soothing. Mm. Um, I've really grown to use it as a bit of mind occupancy. It, it controls or kind of inhibits, inha- inhabits, that's the word I'd look, um, a large portion of my brain that adds unnecessary noise. Is this like Gen Z ADHD kind of vibes? Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you newish to ambient music? I feel like we touched on this on our first episode. Yes. It, honestly, the first episode, sport, if you, to, to break the ambience or the, the, the visage that these are all happening in, immediately as the last one kind of uh, comes out. Well, no, the first episode we recorded quite a while ago. And that really spurred my intense interest into ambient music. I had listened to ambient adjacent artists like the way i found malibu was through this other artist named oklu mm. and they do kind of like pseudo ambient little like french synth classy pop kind of stuff um with lots of ambient components but it mm. wasn't all the way there there was still like yeah, something there's to, degrees of ambience yeah there was like a, a little bit more intensity and like up temponess yeah. to it and some of it was just straight out pop i mean it is interesting how ambient music is on on a grey spectrum almost now yeah originally you know Eno invented it to be purely background music and now it can work as a form of self-soothing where it's in the background but it's you're actively deciding to put this on to play tricks on your mind yeah I think as well what I've learned through my exploration with Ambient as in at least for this purpose Mm. Um, a friend of mine showed me an ambient black metal album Ooh. and it was very, very, the, the, the amount of components was a lot. That was yeah. actually, it was also very high tempo. Yeah. Um, it was just like a constant breakbeat and like strong riffs throughout. Yeah. But the actual element that made it ambient was the level of variation. Oh, okay. So it was just as like you know the cliche like ambient you just kind of sit around and wait for the chord change yeah it was kind of like that but there was just more shit uh, happening so is it there's so much that is happening that you just let it wash over you because you can't compute it all at once well at a certain point you do compute you will compute it all at once okay there's just more happening simultaneously but it's like the same level of variation if that makes sense mm. so it's like as opposed to just having one soothing growing wavy kind of synth yeah. it's just a really strong constant really fast like drum break beat with uh chords just kind of being strummed along as well yeah and then it's a slight chord transition or a a slight restructure of the groove Mm. 
I love listening to you describe music that I haven't heard and we're not going to hear on the show. (laughs) I could listen to it endlessly. It's so absurd. (laughs) Is that that a compliment? You you could be describing Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody (laughs) all I care. (laughs) Thank you, Al. I'm really flattered. Yeah, I mean, that's the engineer in you. Oh, I I don't know if that's uh, a good thing. Uh, uh, Yeah. Speaking of picking up the tempo, <laughs> I'm going to look at this topic of self-soothing here on Cracked as a form of excavation and escapism, and a purging, if you will. And we're going to kind of flip it a little bit and look at the iconic dance pop, synth pop, dance synth, synth dance I love all of musician those. Robin who hasn't put out an album for a few years now, but her last album was called Honey. I'm sure FBI supporters and fans are well familiar with this album. But some might not know that it came from quite a sad background. Uh, Robin herself was kind of reeling from a breakup with her longtime collaborator. And then she went into depression um, because... Whilst she was going through a breakup, her really close friend also died from pancreatic cancer. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And then she, so she cancelled a bunch of shows and then she went into psychoanalysis. Yeah. Um, like three to four meetings per week for six years to unpack like everything from Ooh. having an abortion at 18, her parents' divorce, lost childhood due to exhaustion because she was a child pop star. Yeah. Um, like the predatory nature of the music industry calling off an engagement at one point in her life. That's right. And then eventually she basically finally found her kind of joie de vivre um, in music again by hearing a DJ Kotze track um, in a club. And this kind of gave her a a sense of escapism and she basically went globetrotting to all these amazing clubs around the world and wanted to make club music. Um, Obviously she'd made lots of club bangers in the past, but there's a sense of true kind of um, emotional purging in her form of club music on this particular album. And the track, Honey, the eponymous track from the album, is glorious. And I think it really does capture that sense of letting go Mm. and self-soothing through um, just the release of pure tension. Yeah. Um, there's a sense of catharsis. Hmm. I mean, uh, when you draw towards like club music and the catharsis there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. In my experience, some of my most, most cathartic moments have been in a club, so to say. Yeah. And there's a communal aspect. Yeah. To that, which we're going to get a little bit more into the communal aspect and how that can relate to lyrics in a little bit. Okay. Huh. But for now, this is Robin with Honey from the album Honey. It's cracked, Luke, you're my honey. Welcome back to Cracked here on FBI Radio. That song that I just played for you was a pick of mine. It was from Most Deaf, an artist that was quite influential for me throughout my adolescence. 
It was a song Umi says. And the reason why I played that song was to touch on the little sub theme of music to provide belonging. Now, imagine me, young child of Lebanese immigrants out in Greenacre, the, the area that represented the 2190, um, and not necessarily fitting directly into the culture of the suburb that I love so much. There wasn't really space for too many ideas outside of what was considered standard. Not to be like, I'm special, I'm very different. But I did have to find a little bit of belonging elsewhere. And I did try to find it in music. What provided, yeah, with most deaf, although they're not of Middle Eastern heritage themselves, they are Muslim. And if you didn't know, a lot of Islam is based on Arabic. It's all the entire Quran is in Arabic. Um, a lot of the cultural implications that come along with being a Muslim um, are f- influenced from the Middle East in general. And I found a really strong sense of belonging there. I found I was like, ah, oh, someone who knows about stuff that's Arab and hip hop. Wow, this is wild. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever little 17 18 year old me had like their mind blown and i played black on both sides the album back to front day in and day out and i really appreciated the connection that brought to me in case you're wondering you've entered the self-indulgent end of today's episode of self-soothing <laughs> on cracked that was beautiful thank you I'm going to ruin it a bit, though, because <laughs> I'm going to now choose my self-indulgent yeah. selection. It's also got a bit of a religious tinge. Unfortunately, it's just white boy Christianity. Yeah. Uh, but I found Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds Skeleton Tree album uh, immensely... Uh, cathartic is the wrong word, but it was one of the only forms of media that I could engage with whilst I was going through a very traumatic period in my life. Is Nick Cage still Christian? Nick Cage. Nick Nicholas Cage. Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage. I think Nick Cage believes in everything. <laughs> is Nick Cage, sorry, still Christian? Uh, he finds like the practice of going to church and the Christian belief system and the Bible useful yes uh, as as a form of being inspired and like kind um, of i guess it's a form of self-soothing in the sense that it creates structure for his life yeah that makes him feel creatively fulfilled and full of vitality because is the kind of top line notes of the many books and interviews and podcasts that he's done a friend of mine was showing me one of his songs something about angels or something of the sorts i mean most of his songs are about <laughs> angels and assholes um <laughs> But I found this Skeleton Tree album, which is sort of about the death of his son, uh, Ulcave, and the accompanying documentary called One More Time with Feeling, which is very much about kind of reeling in pure trauma, very uh, starkly calming for some reason. And I'm going to play the first track, from the Skeleton Tree album that was released in 2016. It's aptly called Jesus Alone. <laughs> Sorry. Know, it's pretty it's pretty lol as a title. <laughs> but it's like an amazing piece of music. 
And then we're going to get back into some less indulgent themes. It's crack. You are listening to another episode of the podcast and radio show, Cracked, where we delve into the creative process, pry it open, if you will, and we have a different topic each week. This week, we've been exploring self-soothing and all the different facets of it in music. Earlier, we played Umi Says from Black on Both Sides by the one and only Most Deaf. Most deaf, not Moz deaf, as I used to say for many years. <laughs> too many years explains why I got bullied. He said too many years as if I didn't correct him earlier today. And <laughs> God, I'm so old. And I'm really showing my age because I just played a Nick Cave song <laughs> called Jesus Alone. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel like Jesus Alone in FBI, the sole millennial. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. Fighting it out. Studio B is the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, Jesus Alone from Skeleton Tree. <laughs> it's real barren over here as we get to the finish line. Yeah, we're rounding up. Self-soothing. There's a lot of different aspects to self-soothing. It reminds me of the Bruce Lee kind of Hall of Mirrors from Enter the Dragon. It's, 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 I've never seen Enter the Dragon. It's meant to be really good, right? It's pretty great. I saw, a- I saw it in... Um, Argyle in New South Wales has an amazing film program. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and that it was part it of their film program. Yeah. I have seen some phenomenal films. Yeah, it's my favorite cinema, pretty much. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah, Very cool. Basement cinema. Yes, 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 yes. I know the one you're talking about. But we're going off topic. It is actually a form of self-soothing in <laughs> cinema, but separately, we're here to talk about music. This is FBI. Hmm. We've discussed a lot of stuff today. The, Too much. Yeah. The creative process as self-soothing a flow state if you will um self-soothing as a form of therapy did a bit of young lean bit of purging yeah emotional Uh, excavation lyrics bit of ambient occupation of the brain you know that subliminal self-soothing the practical give me those loops yeah yeah Mm, loopy (laughs) (laughs) soupy loopy (laughs) music that kind of like gives you a bit of you know nostalgic music music that feels a bit like home yeah, like ASMR. <laughs> I think this is the. We should have a counter number of ASMR yeah, jokes we've made. Too many. Music to provide belonging, yeah. which I think is really nice. Yeah, that's my favorite. Self soothing. Anything around self soothing is actually warms my heart. Yeah, even when it goes a bit dark. Al, you seem like a really horrible person normally. Thanks. Today yeah. you seemed okay. Well, we, we'll bring it back <laughs> on the next episode. We got one last little tidbit we're going to nod our heads to um and i thought it was a really nice recommendation from al to play a song off the most recent andre 3000 aka the flute album (laughs) but it's interesting listening to andre talk about his justification for doing this because so many people are saying why don't you just do bars why don't you rap i loved it and he explains very eloquently that he needed to change his identity and almost dissolve into society because being incredibly famous is a strange sensation and he's quite a spiritual guy and he needed to go through a process of ego death and playing the flute is a way of centering his mind he plays the flute goes to the laundromat Mm -hmm. in his local neighborhood 
every week and just, and, just pl- and plays the flute for a few hours. It's really beautiful. While his laundry's being done. But uh, there's footage of him playing flute like all around the world. Mm. And it just it was a form of centering and engaging or re-engaging his relationship with music in a different format. And he no longer had to be Andre 3000, yeah. Ice Cold. Yeah. yeah. I've heard he's a really lovely down to earth I kind of person. I have not heard a single negative thing. Yeah. And it, Al knows the industry. Al's, if you guys didn't know, Al knows hip hop. As Jizza said, <laughs> I get hip hop. I've also been mistaken for Danny Brown, <laughs> which I feel like I may be close to being cancelled for that Rap Voices <laughs> episode. So we're reeling it back with self-soothing. We detract our statements made in our prior episode. But Al does get hip-hop. I'll I'll put that one out there. (laughs) So this last Andre 3000 track we're going to share really explores how he's kind of dissolved. It also ends on a question which I feel is apt for this theme because self-soothing is specific to the person. Whether you're an artist, you're a creative or a listener, self-soothing is what works for you. And Andre 3000's track is called Ants to You, Gods to Who. It's like Al. To me, Al is like a god. I'm a god to you (laughs) and you're an ant to me. (laughs) And on that note, this has been another tumultuous episode of Cracked on FBI. Good night. I mean, good afternoon.